This morning um, we're continuing our theme um, looking at God's awesomeness. Just take one, don't keep them all for yourself, Trevor. I saw you. There's enough to go around. So we're thinking about God's awesomeness. And um, when Polly was telling me about this kind of this series that we're going through, and she kind of told me the different titles that we were looking at. Um, and Dave last week would have been speaking about God's awesomeness in life and death. We've had God's awesomeness in creation. Polly said, there's this one here, Rich, which is about God's awesomeness in time and space. And I went, oh, I want to do that one. Because um, straight away, my mind just started spinning as it does quite regularly. And um, I was thinking, time and space, who travels in time and space? I can do an entire preach on Doctor Who. (laughs) And kind of comparing Jesus to Doctor Who and, you know, and... In all seriousness, I would love to do that, but that's not this morning. Um, as I was thinking about it, I really just was thinking that there's, there's some great stuff in the Bible all about time and space. And so we're going to have a little bit of a think about that this morning. I'm not planning to speak for hours and hours, you'll be pleased, although I probably could. Um, if it was about Doctor Who, it would definitely be like an entire day seminar. Um, so we won't be doing that. Um, I want to just have a little think about time and space and how we perceive it and then how God perceives it. Now, when we think of time, it's really easy for us because time we measure in, in seconds, and we think of time as 60 seconds, which equals a minute, and 60 minutes equals an hour, 24 hours equals a day. For the really complicated and the precise amongst us, 365 and a quarter days in a year, which is why every four years we get a leap year, and, and it just carries on and carries on and carries on. And that's our perspective of time because we're here, we're in it, we're perceiving it and we're going through it. The Bible says something completely different um, in the way that God perceives time. Um, And you've got some of these verses on the notes in front of you. And it says in 2 Peter, don't forget this one thing, my dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. Now, that's quite tricky to get our heads around. And actually, we don't need to get our heads around it. For God, God perceives the entirety of time. And this is the bit where I wish I could properly click my fingers, but I just just can't. But, you know, God perceives the entirety of time from the moment he created the universe to the moment the universe ends, which hasn't happened yet. For God, those thousands of years are just like a blink of an eye. For God, they're just like how we perceive a day. They're not a long period of time. For him, they just, they've just happened. He knows the beginning from the end. But actually for us, because we're in it and we're experiencing every moment, it, it obviously takes us time. The Bible talks about that God is the God of creation, the, man, the one who created and who sustains all things. And of Jesus, it says in Hebrews 1, the Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. He sustains all things in the entirety of creation by a word, because his words are powerful. <clears throat> I was reading, I've just got loads of bits of Bible to read to you this morning, which is always the best thing, I think. Um, I want to read from the book of Job. Now, Job is not something that we read of all the time in the Bible. If you know about Job, Job um, was a really devout follower of God. And uh, the the devil said to God, you're protecting him. Um, 
I reckon if, if you give him to me for a bit, I can get him to turn away from you. And God says, do what you like with him. You can't kill him, but do anything else to him. He will never turn away from me. And Job has all of this really hard stuff happen. His entire family goes um, and he's literally left at rock bottom. And even in his lowest point, he just speaks out the praise of who God is. Uh, and so God then, after the end of the, 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 the book of Job, he restores him to a great place. Um, but in the middle of it all, when Job is just telling his friends, because he has these three friends who are really not friends at all, they're absolute rotters, trying to tell him to just denounce his faith in God, just give it all up, it's not worth it, look, you, you're kind of, you know, your whole family's died, all of your cattle have died, you've got nothing left, just, just forget it all. And Job just all the time rebukes these so-called friends and tells them where to go, basically, and says, you're just talking nonsense, talking rubbish. I'm not listening to you because my faith in God is better and bigger. Um, And these are some verses from the book of Job. And this is what he says about God. He says, he moves mountains without their knowing it. He overturns them in his anger. He shakes the earth from its place and makes its pillars tremble. He speaks to the sun and it does not shine. He seals off the light of the stars. He alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. He is the maker of the bear and Orion and Pleiades and the constellations of the south. They're just names for the groups of stars. Um, Although he also made bears as well. Um, He performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. When he passes me, I cannot see him. When he goes by me, I cannot perceive him. If he snatches away, who can stop him? Who can say to God, what are you doing? And later on, that's in Job, uh, that was in Job 9. In Job 26, he says these words, again speaking about God and creation. He spreads out the northern skies over empty space. He suspends the earth over nothing. He wraps up the waters in his clouds, yet the clouds do not burst under their weight. He covers the face of the full moon, spreading his clouds over it. He marks out the horizon of the face of the waters for a boundary between light and darkness. I mean, this great poetic language here, just describing just a glimmer of the creation that we enjoy, talking about sunrises and sunsets, the fact that you know, even before scientists discovered that the Earth wasn't flat and that the Earth hangs in its orbit and orbits around the sun, you know, Job talks about the fact that God suspends the Earth over nothing. And if effectively, space is nothing, isn't it? It's a vacuum. And the Earth is suspended there. And Job kind of talks about it. I want to just talk this morning and share a few examples of when God manipulates time and space. Scientists will tell you there are some immovable facts that exist. The fact that the sun is there and all the planets revolve around it. The the earth revolves on its axis. Um, There are certain laws of nature that have to be and that can't not be. But I want to tell you that God is the one that created all of those things to start with. And actually, if he wants to change the laws of nature, that's an easy thing for him. For someone who set the laws, he can then break them if he needs to. Um, <clears throat> I want to start, it's not a time and space example. Um, it's a little bit about creation. But it, again, it's this idea that God can change the laws of physics if he wants to. 
Um, so this example comes from 2 Kings chapter 6. Um, you can turn it up if you've got a Bible. I'm going to read it anyway. Um, so 2 Kings chapter 6. And, and my hope this morning is that I'm telling you some things in the Bible that you've not heard. Because it would be really easy to stand here and just recant all the miracles of Jesus. But a lot of those we will have heard. We'll have heard how Jesus healed the blind, told the lame to stand up and walk, and raised the dead to life. We've heard all of those things, and they are amazing and miraculous. Um, But I want to share some other examples that I just, I love the Bible because it has all these weird and wonderful things inside. There are some bizarre things where you just go, what on earth is going on? There are some examples where you just go, how on earth did God do that? I can't get my head around it. Um, And so that's kind of what I want to share a little bit this morning. Just some of those little mini encounters that sometimes when you read the Bible, you blink and you've missed it. Um, And so that's what I want to go through this morning. So in 2 Kings chapter 6, that was enough prologue for those who are looking up in their Bibles. um, It just says these words, and we're going to just focus on one little verse right at the end. But to give you some context, it says this. The company of the prophets said to Elisha, look, the place where we're meeting is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole. Let us build a place there for us to meet. And Elijah said, go. And one of them said, won't you please come over with your servants? I will, Elisha replied. And he went there with them. They went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Now, what happens when iron goes in water? Glug, 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 it sinks to the bottom. Oh no, my Lord, he cried out. It was borrowed, it's not mine. Elijah, the man of God, says, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, Elijah cut a stick and threw it in there and made the iron float. Lift it out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and he took it. Now, we know metal sinks. You know, if it's heavy, I think there, there probably are some metals that probably will float if they're not, that they don't want. An iron axe head is going to be a pretty strong thing. Now, I clearly am not a builder. I clearly am not somebody who knows how to hold an axe. Probably would be a very dangerous thing if somebody gave me an axe. But, but you know, this is, this is I, I know what it looks like. I know how heavy they are. And this just, it, you know, it's a borrowed axe. Falls, you know, it comes off, goes in the river. Now, this is not just like a, a little pool of water. This would have been, the Jordan is a fast-flowing river. And so, you know, it would have sunk to the bottom. And it's not like it's going to be an easy thing to get out. And so God here intervenes through the prophet Elisha and bends the complete laws of nature to make iron float. And I don't imagine it just kind of, I, I imagine it floated and stayed in place. Because you can put, you, you'll, have, you'll have done this, I'm sure. You'll have thrown something in the river and, and it, it just floats away. You know, I used to go and play poo sticks with my mum. Uh, you stand over a bridge from, from the tails of Winnie the Pooh. You get a little stick. You stand over one side of the bridge. You drop it in. You make remember what your one looks like. And then you run to the other side of the bridge to see whose stick comes out first. And, of course, a, a river moves. And so not only did this axe head float to the top, I think it must have stayed in place so that they could go and grab it, because otherwise, you know, it comes to the top and then floats away. So you've got absolute miraculous things happening. God bending the laws of of physics. I really love the universe. I really love looking out into space and its magnitude. And had we have had um, 
a, a kind of a, 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 a big setup today uh, with a few more people here. Um, I, had, I had a video clip I was going to show you. And the video clip just shows you the, the kind of our solar system. Um, for those of you who are on Facebook, I will post it there later so you can see it. Because it's a really good clip to watch. Um, if you're not, I apologise. Maybe I can try and show it another time. Um, but it shows the, the, the size of the planets. And so it kind of starts off with, uh, with little, old, little old tiny Earth. And then it shows you a few planets that are in size and in scale to show this is, this is planet Earth. Um, it starts off quite big and then it zooms out and then shows you like Jupiter, which is bigger. Uh, and then it will zoom out and show you um, Uranus, which is bigger still. And then it zooms out and shows you in comparison our sun, you know, which is Earth is this big and our sun is massive. And then it zooms out again to show you our sun, now this tiny, and our nearest star, which is like this big. And it just kind of keeps zooming out and zooming out and zooming out and zooming out to show the enormity of our universe. And, and I really love that because we, we, and I was thinking about it in worship this morning, you know, this, this universe that God created is absolutely ginormous. I mean, there is no way that we can comprehend how big it is. Even a time lord would struggle to know how big the universe truly is. And not just the current universe, but we're thinking about the, the whole of time and space. So the universe that God created and has continued to exist and stuff that happened right at the beginning and stuff that's happening now in the farthest reaches, we will never know all of the stuff that's going on. You know, the landslides that have happened on planets at the other side of the galaxy and some stars that have finished burning and so now they've, they've gone out. We'll never know all of that stuff. But, but one thing that was really interesting, um, I just looked up some facts. So the probability of life on a planet, um, on this planet, it is just astronomically small. Maggie, can I borrow you a second? The probability of life on Earth is one in seven quintillion. So if you're, if you're a gambling man, you know, your odds, your odds can be quite good for something. But seven, one in seven quintillion, that looks like this. So that's your probability of life on Earth is one in seven quintillion. That's seven with 20 zeros. There is a greater chance of us all being struck by lightning at the same time in different places around the world. Do you know that is... This is an astronomically small chance of anything ever happening. So life on the planet Earth is one in seven quintillion. Oh, thank you. I like you hearing. <laughs> astronomically tiny. And you know, that's because if our planet were just one degree off its axis, or if we were just ever slightly further away from the sun at different points, if our planet had a slightly different mix of oxygen, a little bit more oxygen or a little bit less oxygen, if our atmosphere was slightly thinner or slightly thicker, life would not exist. And in, scientists have this thing, they call it the Goldilocks, um, the, the Goldilocks sphere, which is where our planet sits. Our, our planet sits within the Goldilocks zone. And we know the story of Goldilocks and the three bears. There was porridge and there were beds. And they were either too hot or too cold, or just right. Or that was the porridge. Or the beds were too hard or too soft or just right. And in terms of planet Earth, one in seven quintillion, that's the chance of it being in the right place that wasn't too hot or too cold, it's just right. 
or where the oxygen levels are too high or too low or just right. That's where we sit. I'm going to tell you, and I firmly believe, it couldn't have happened by chance. It's just the, the odds of it happening by chance are just so astronomically small. I I firmly believe God had to do something about it. And because God created this planet, God knows exactly what he's doing with the whole of time and space. If there's anything he needs to change, he can do it. Now, I want to read, it's quite a long passage from Joshua 10. Um, There are some gaps on your notes. And this first one is about the sun stands still. And so here's an example where God is just changing the laws of time and space to suit his own uh, desire and plan. And in Joshua 10, and I've really picked the wrong passage here because it has the worst names in the Bible (laughs) to try and read and pronounce. So if I get them wrong, according to you, then it's tough because this is how I want to say them today. Um, And of course, we probably won't know how they were pronounced because we weren't there. So here's Joshua chapter 10, and it says this. Now, Adoni Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had taken Ai and totally destroyed it, doing to Ai and its king as he had done to Jericho and its king, and that the people of Gibeon had made their peace treaty with Israel and had become their allies. He and his people were very much alarmed at this because Gibeon was an important city. Like one of the royal cities, it was larger than Ai and its men were good fighters. So Adonizedek, king of Jerusalem, appealed to Hoham, king of Hebron, Piram, king of Jarmuth, Japhia, king of Lachish, and Debir, king of Eglon. Come up and help me attack Gibeon, he said, because it has made peace with Joshua and the Israelites. Then the five kings of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish, and Eglon, joined forces. They moved up with all their troops and took, the position, took up positions against Gibeon and attacked it. <clears throat> the Gibeonites sent word to Joshua at the camp at Gilgal, do not abandon your servants, come up to us quickly and save us, help us, because all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including the best fighting men. The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road, going up to Beth Horon, and cut them down all the way to Azekah and Makedah. I told you these were horrible names. And as they fled before Israel on the road down to Beth Horon, to Azekah, the Lord hurled huge hailstones down on them, and more of them died from the hail than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. You think, where is Rich going with this? And eventually we get there. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Son, stand still over Gibeon, and you, moon, over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies. As it is written in the book of Jasher, the sun stopped 
in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Then Joshua returned with all Israel to the camp at Gilgal. Wow. I mean, you read this and you just go, what on earth? How did that actually happen? Now, I, 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 you know, if, if you ever watch Superman, Superman flies around the world the wrong time and it spins, the world spins backwards and it's all very confusing. Scientists would tell you that if, this, if, the, if planet Earth stopped spinning, there would be natural disasters like you would never believe. And somehow, somehow, as it says here, and it's recorded in other books that are not the Bible, the sun stood still, the moon stood still, which I think means that planet Earth stood still. It stopped spinning for about a day because they just remained in the same place. And not only did they remain in the same place and the Earth stood still, nothing else happened. There was no other kind of natural disasters. Somehow, time and or space, or a mixture of both, just paused so that the battle could be completely and utterly won. Such is the power of God. Listening, as it says here, when the Lord listened to a human being. Now, I mean, we could also, you know, there's other instances. Elijah in, 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 in 1 Kings, you know, we, we know that Elijah stood uh, before God and said, don't let it rain. And it didn't rain for three years. And then he prayed. And this is recorded in, in, the, in the book of Hebrews. You know, and, he, and then he prayed and then it started to rain again. You know, God listens to his people and does amazing, miraculous things. So the sun stood still. Later in two kings, <clears throat> the sun does some other things. And here the sun goes back, which again is very strange. In, Hez- in two kings 20, we read about this little, this person called Hezekiah, who was the king. Um, and it says this in Hezekiah 20. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you are going to die and you will not recover. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I've walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people, this is what the Lord says, the God of your father, David. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears and I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord and I will add 15 years to your life. And I will deliver you in this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant, King David. And Isaiah said, prepare a poultice of figs, whatever that might be. They did so and applied it to the boil, and he recovered. Hezekiah had asked Isaiah, what will be the sign that the Lord will heal me? 
and that I will go up to the temple of the Lord on the third day from now. Isaiah answered, This is the Lord's sign to you that the Lord will do what he has promised. Shall the shadow go forward ten steps, or shall it go back ten steps? It is a simple matter for the shadow to go forward ten steps, said Hezekiah. Rather, have it go back ten steps. So if, you ever, if you're ever outside and you see kind of the sun moving, moving around, well, the sun will always move in the same direction, or the shadow of the sun will move in the same direction. And so in, in Jerusalem, there was obviously some steps, and you could tell the hour of the day by how many steps the shadow fell onto. And so Hezekiah says, well, it's easy for that to happen normally, so don't let it go forward ten steps. The proof of God healing me had the shadow go back ten steps. And then the prophet Isaiah called on the Lord, and the Lord made the shadow go back the ten steps. It had gone down on the stairway of Ahaz. Again, so this is, this is something that falls outside of the realms of normal nature. This, the shadow of the sun going backwards. Again, did the earth spin the wrong way? Did it move? I, I just don't know the hows of how it happened. But I believe it because it's in the Bible and it falls well within the power of what God can do. Absolutely within the power of what God can do. And so we have the sun going backwards. So we've had the sun standing still. We've had the sun going backwards. And to finish... And this is, the, this is the, the last kind of thing I want to talk about today. This is the sun being switched off. And this is a, probably, a, this, this is a very well known, I should think, to most of us. In Matthew 27, it says this. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of a skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with vinegar, But after tasting it, he refused to drink. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him. Above his head, they placed the written charge against Jesus. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right, one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you're the son of God. In the same way, the chief priests and teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. He saved others. They said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and we'll believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped on insults. And here's the verse. And you've probably read this verse hundreds of times. You might have never read it before. I don't know. But this just says, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the land. And in some of the translations, it just talks about God shut off the light. God didn't want anybody to see what was happening to Jesus during those three hours. Because in those three hours, that was when Jesus, as we've remembered this morning in our in our celebration of communion. It was in those three hours where Jesus took the punishment for humanity for their sin. It was in those three hours of darkness where God said, nobody looks, because this, this, is, this is everything. 
This is the entire plan of salvation happening in three hours. And so the sun was switched off. What's really interesting in in all of these accounts is that God has ultimate power to do whatever he needs to do, to bend all of space and time to his will. He did something that in terms of human standards we would deem as impossible. And I've tried this morning to pick out some instances in the Bible that are lesser known. Um, as I said earlier, we could have talked about all the miracles. So in Matthew, Matthew 11, it kind of summarises some of the miracles of Jesus. That the blind receive their sight, the lame will walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf will hear, the dead are raised to life. And probably the biggest miracle that we always forget about, the biggest miracle in the Bible, and it's the miracle that continues to happen even to today, and has happened throughout all of the centuries since Jesus, is that the good news is proclaimed to the poor. And actually everybody is poor in God's sight. So let's not just think about a material thing. Everyone is poor in God's sight until they're part of his family. And that's the biggest miracle, that God is still invested in performing the miracle of people hearing the gospel and becoming followers of Jesus. That is still a miracle that happens to this day and will continue to happen um, and, until Jesus comes again. And that's kind of what communion is all about. It's celebrating Jesus' death until he comes, um, as Blanchard shared with us. And so I, I want us to just take a moment, because um, it's 12 o'clock, so our service is pretty much done. But I want us to just take a moment to think about, about God's power in our lives. Do we recognise God's power in our lives? Do we sometimes think that our problems are too big for God? I'm the first to admit that happens for me sometimes. There are times when I think, oh, so-and-so, this is happening in my life. Oh, I'm just going to wallow in self-pity for a bit. Actually, what I should be doing is bringing it to God. You know, we've read about, we've read about men and women who are bog-standard, original, normal people like us. They're not superheroes. They're not special in any way. They're just like us. Men and women in the Bible who are able to pray to God and the sun stands still. Who are able to pray to God and it stops raining or it starts raining. Who who can pray to God and people are healed through his power. There's so many things. And that's just the stuff that's recorded. In the Gospels it says, if we recorded every single thing that Jesus ever did, the world would not be big enough to contain those books because there's just so much stuff. It's almost the Gospels are just the, 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 the summary of what Jesus did and kind of the highlights. And there's so much that God wants to do. So just for a minute, let's, have a, let's, just, let's just reflect. Um, and then I just want to pray for us as we go. Father God, I thank you that you are interested in the lives of every one of us here today. And all those of our friends who aren't here today and all those part of our family and extended family. Thank you, God, that you are interested in every one of us, even though 
You are the God who created the entirety of our universe and all the galaxies within and the stars within and the planets and the moons and the comets and asteroids and everything else. God, you created all things and yet you are interested in the lives of every one of us individually. I pray, Father, this morning that we would remember that you are totally awesome in time and space and you can create, you can bend the laws that we know of physics to suit your will. And so, Father, I pray that for each one of us, we would remember that you are sovereign. You are in charge and that when there's stuff that we face, when there's challenges that life throws at us, that we will remember, God, that you are supreme. That there is nothing that is too hard for you. And that we need to come and cast our burdens before you because you're big enough to bear them. And we need to come and ask for you to come and be in all of those situations that we face. Because, Father God, when you are with us, who can stand against us? How great is our God. We thank you. Father, I want to pray that you would be with us all this week in whatever we do, whatever we face. And, Father, that our eyes would be opened to know that you're with us. Father, you're always with us. You've promised that again and again and again and again and again in the Bible, that you will never leave or forsake your people. And so often it's that our eyes are closed and our ears are blocked and so we can't hear or see or feel your presence amongst us. So I pray that you would just open us up to know that you are with us in every step of the journey we take this week. Amen.